Welcome to Crosswalk. My name is Pastor Kennan. For those of you who are visiting for the first time, we'd like to welcome you in our space and, and tell you how glad we are that you are here this morning. I'd also like to welcome our online viewers this morning and tell you how glad we are that you are uh, coming uh, to us through our live streaming. Uh, we have been in a series now, we're in our second week of a series called Get Rich Quick. And that sounds like something we all want, kind of, right, you know? But we all have this kind of like thing. We're a little bit suspicious of those kind of schemes and things. But we're not talking about those kinds of things. We're talking about the fact that we can stand on the promises of God and be rich by the time we walk out of this door. And that's going to be our goal today, okay? Does that sound good? We're going to get rich. Last week, we got rich in growth through our learning here at Lovers Lane United Methodist Church. We talked about lots of ways that we do that. This week, we're going to talk about how we can become rich in experience through our service. Through our service. Rich in experience through our service. And to do that, we're going to be hearing about a very, very popular letter that was written by the Apostle Paul. By the Apostle Paul, and this letter was written to the Roman church, and it's actually called Romans. Now, he would have written this in the uh, mid to late 50s, not the 1950s, if you're new to Christianity. We're talking about the actual 50s, right? And, uh, and so this was probably written uh, by him in a town called Corinth. And today's Christians would consider this particular writing, this particular letter that he wrote, Paul's absolute masterpiece of theology. This is his theological masterpiece. Now, uh, in this letter, he has introduced some themes already by the time of the passage that we're going to read. And that theme is simply this, that our, the, um, their, uh, the salvation that is offered to us through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ's gospel message is a salvation and a gospel message that is available for all people. How many people? That's very important to remember. I'm going to call him all Paul, right? Because he believes all people, Jews and Gentiles, should benefit from this good news of Jesus Christ. And uh, he's already opened this letter by the time we get to our reading, but he begins to start addressing some very specific issues that are going on in the church and in the lives of unbelievers specifically. And so we'll um, look at Romans 1, and we're going to begin in verse 18. I'm going to be reading from the Common English Bible, and I want you to read from whatever translation you brought this morning, or we'll have a translation available for you up on the screens. Listen to Paul's words. Romans 1, verse 18. God's wrath is being revealed from heaven against all the ungodly behavior and the injustice of human beings who silence the truth with injustice. Now, we've learned two key things here already this morning without even uh, jumping all the way into our reading. There is ungodly behavior and injustice of human beings. Now, Paul's time was not too much different than ours. It sounds a lot like kind of our world today. We have all, we've suffered all these shootings and mass, mass uh, terrorism all over our world lately. Uh, there's sex trafficking. We know that there's cruelty to minority groups and marginalized groups. Uh, we experience this and we see this on our news constantly. The list goes on and on and on, right? And those same uh, humans are using their behavior in this context... They're using that behavior to silence the truth. They're doing injustice to silence the truth. That's what's going on. 
Now, clearly, in the context of Paul's letter to the Romans, where also uh, bad things are happening, and, and like, like nailing people to crosses, right, and, 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 and kind of lining them up on the roadsides to make people fear for their lives. They do this to intimidate them and to make them cower before a very oppressive occupation that they have um, done to the land. And they, they want people to be complicit with this. They want people uh, in the world to kind of calm down under their oppressive rule. And Paul goes on to describe why God's wrath is being revealed. Listen to what he writes. This is because what is known about God should be plain to them because God made it plain to them. <laughs> Ever since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, God's eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen because they are understood through the things God has made. Now, now what this means is it just like those occupying Roman soldiers back in Jesus' time, the Jewish rabbis and priests, the complicit tax collectors at the time, the disciples and the crowds? God is saying, you should all know that I exist. Now I want you to flash forward here to our present day, our present time, the nations of the world today here in 2017. And then in a microcosm way, kind of this pastoral team and, and, and its leadership of the church and those who are serving in the church and, and who are leaders of the church. We all got out of bed today, right, knowing that we're standing on a planet that orbits around a vast sun in one very minute galaxy of a much greater universe. And God, being who God is, set the conditions on this earth, for each one of us to flourish and to thrive. Gave us every resource that we would need, air, breath, water, food, everything that we would need for us to reign here in our domain. Now, because each one of us can reflect on such things, and because God wired it into us for us to be able to reflect on such things, your greatest potential in life is to speak the truth for someone who is asking if God exists. Did you catch that? Your greatest potential, your greatest potential in life is to speak the truth for someone asking if God exists. If you want to talk about walking out of here, being rich in experience through service, you must understand that greatest potential. Because you can reflect on such things, Paul finishes with this, so humans are without excuse. There simply is no excuse. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for your word and for Paul who you gave us and who masterfully wrote this letter to the Romans. God, the, the, the letter that we're studying today, it's an important one. Help us to hang on every consonant. Help us to hang on every vowel. Help us to hang on every nuance, every syllable, so that we can extract it as though it were treasure. For it really is more valuable than gold, God. And use it to transform all of our hearts in Jesus' name. Now, just like last week, I, I kind of centered us on a single question, and I want to do the very same thing for us today, but this time I have two questions. 
I think it's important that we ask ourselves both of these. The two questions are, what does your service say to those in need about God? What does your service say to those in need about God? And then the second question is like this. What does your service say about where you can grow? What does your service say about what you, where you can grow? What is your growing edge? Now, twice in my life, twice in my life, many times in my life, I've been stopped in my tracks to look at the beauty that God has created around me. But twice in my life, I have been stopped dead in my tracks looking at the beauty of God. One of those times is I was riding on a bus and I was going up a mountain road in the Blue Ridge Mountains in Kentucky. Now, if you've ever been in a bus on a mountain road, you know that it just doesn't go very fast. It goes nice and slow. So I'm going up the mountain road in the Blue Ridge Mountains in Kentucky and the bus rounded this curve and when it did, these glorious scene of two mountains came into view and it was early in the morning there was kind of a mist and it exposed this beautiful deep lush green valley below but I was so high on the mountain road that I was at eyesight with eagles that were flying over this valley I could see them I could see them. It was the most incredible scene. It was the most inspiring thing I'd ever seen. And I wrote these words. These came off of the pen of a 16-year-old boy. If people would just look around and take in the beauty of this world, there'd never be a doubt that there is a Lord. That's what I wrote. And another time that was like it, I was sailing in a uh, rigid hull sea craft. And it was on the Nepali coast of Kauai, Hawaii. It was so beautiful. The water was teeming with life. I had seen whales that day. I had seen uh, dolphins and all kinds of, of life, sea life. But up out of this blue water were these huge mountains that rose up as far as you could see. And down them cascading waterfalls. It put a knot in my throat. It was so majestic and so amazing. It's so beautiful. That I just couldn't believe that I was looking at what I was looking at. And friends, I just knew by looking at it that God had made it. There was absolutely no way in my heart and in my mind I could conceive of something that, like that being coincidental. I just couldn't. Just by looking at it, I could tell that this world was masterfully created and made by a divine artist who used a spinning planet as a canvas and then painted grace upon grace on it, for which there is no other word but amazing. It's beautiful. In both of those instances, I reacted in complete awe. Awe. The sheer size and the complexity of all that God had molded from the clay of the earth. And how it evoked a sense of wonder in me. But there was also something else present in that. There was this sense of danger. My heart knew also just by looking at the towering majestic mountains. That these terrains also demanded my utmost respect. And that's where things go wrong. 
with us and God. As humans, we on a daily basis encounter God's majesty and holiness here in creation. We see the goodness of God in others. The best that God has to offer this world. The soaring blue ridge mountains of the human heart. And the breathtaking Nepali coast of our own masterfully created goodness. And despite its holiness, we reject it. Not always, but sometimes. Don't you think that God knew when God was making us, how we might best be made aware and convinced of God. So God desires our hearts so much that God couples the beauty and majesty of the created world with the beauty and majesty of his own heart and sends Jesus Christ, who through his actions demonstrates the proper self-sacrificing love in response to God, to fully love God and to love others. Jesus, who evokes in us a sense of wonder and appreciation for God's beauty. But at the same time, evokes in us a sense of danger. Our hearts know Our hearts know just by looking at the towering and majestic life, death, and resurrection. And that demands our utmost reverence and respect. You know, we know that in Jesus we encountered God's own majesty and holiness, and yet, and yet some still reject him. They rejected him. They still reject him, and they will continue To reject him, I have a name for these folks. I'm going to call them deadheads. (laughs) Here's my definition of a deadhead. Deadhead is someone who desperately needs a new way of thinking. Now, there are people who stand in front of mountains and they don't see them. They are too busy. They are too jaded. They fly over the mountains, but they never experience them in all of their splendor. They're just too self-absorbed. Or, or they are hell-bent in, in, in building their own mountains. Usually mountains of cash, or mountains of status, or mountains of pride, or mountains of power, or some other idol. And they don't often care whose backs they build those mountains upon. So we like to give these people funny names like deadheads, right? Only when I say that name, I'm not talking about others. I'm talking about us. I'm talking about those of us who are judging God's wonderful creations. The ones that God sent us for. They are the ones that God came in the person of Jesus Christ to save. They are the ones that God said, go and make disciples of them. And yet sometimes, me included, we're just too busy. 
or too jaded. We just fly over the lost human hearts in all their splendor. And we miss that that is the very holy, sacred, and dangerous ground that God is calling us to in our service. Remember our two questions? What does your service say to those in need about God? What does your service say about where you can grow? Another biblical disciple of Jesus, James, has something to say to us this morning about our service. In James chapter 2, James says this beginning in verse 14. I'll be reading from the message. Dear friends, do you think you'll get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything? Does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? For instance, you come upon an old friend dressed in rags and half-starved and say, Good morning, friend. Be clothed in Christ. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then walk off without providing so much as a coat or a cup of soup? Where does that get you? (laughs) Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? Christians in this room, we are the ones that need to wake up and to change our way of thinking. We know that the hearts of the lost are what our God truly desires more than anything else. We know that it is holy, awesome, and yet dangerous terrain. But will we meet their need with our own self-sacrifice and with God's love the way that Jesus did? Or will we make that someone else's concern? If we're being honest, some of us just don't want to bother. (laughs) Some of us take the attitude that our gift is making money, and so we deal that out. We deal out the work of reaching the lost to others. I'm just not called to that. Missions and service, it's just not my thing. I believe in God and Jesus, but here, let me be a hero and write you a check. I'll just fly over the mountains. Now, James has your number. Listen to what he says next. There's a lot more to say to the deadheads. Uh, uh, I can already hear one of you agreeing by saying, sounds good. You take care of the faith department. I'll handle the works department. He writes this, not so fast. You can no more show me your works apart from your faith than I can show you my faith apart from my works. Faith and works, works and faith, they're like, They fit together hand in glove. Do I hear you professing to believe in the one and only God, but then observe you complacently sitting back as if you had done something wonderful? That's just great. Demons do that. (laughs) But what good does it do them? Use your heads. Do you suppose for a minute that you can cut faith and works in two and not end up with a corpse on your hands? Ouch. James, dang. It's both humorous and sad. James knew where we would try to go with this. You just believe. I'll go do. James says, not so fast. 
That's now what God is calling. That's not what God is calling you to. That, that's just more death, right? That's just more death. God is not calling one to believe and another to do. Nope, God is calling us all to believe and do. I also have a name for this type of person. The one who, when faced with the wonder of the human heart that could potentially be offered to God, who respects the terrain as holy and sacred and yet dangerous and approaches it by both believing and doing, I call these people res heads. Here's my definition of res heads. This is someone who died to their old way of thinking and who was raised to a new way of thinking. Now, I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, don't be a dead head, be a res head. <laughs> and now I want you to turn to your other neighbor and say, I am a res head. <laughs> Praise God. That means that your belief has some motion by way of resurrection. It also means that you aren't all action, but that you have some conviction about Jesus Christ and his resurrection from the grave that's like fire in your belly. It means that you look at the mountains of the human hearts that God has created and you see them as sacred and holy terrain that is also dangerous and to be respected. And you believe with all your heart that it's exactly where God has sent you. And that you navigate that in the power of Christ, in the power of Christ's resurrection, and that you're willing to sacrifice your whole life and everything by both believing and doing. It means that your belief has actions. James has something else to say about believing and doing. He says this, wasn't our ancestor Abraham made right with God by works when he placed his son Isaac on the sacrificial altar? Isn't it obvious that faith and works are yoked partners, that faith expresses itself in works, that the works are works of faith? The full meaning of believe in the scripture sentence, Abraham believed God was set right and was set right with God, includes his action. It's that mess, mesh of believing and action that Abraham got named friend of God. Friend of God. It is not evident that a person is made right with God by a barren faith, but by faith that is fruitful, that is fruitful in works. Getting rich, therefore, is service in motion. It means that your belief and your works aren't divided. Rather, your faith in the resurrected Christ has you on the move for goodness. What are you moving toward? We have monthly opportunities here. We have monthly opportunities for people to be involved. There's Austin Street and the bridge. Once a month we go and we volunteer. We also have uh, uh, Nathan Adams where you can go and you can sit with a child and you can pour into that child and read to them. 
We collect things around here all the time, like socks and coats. We're doing coats now for everybody's Christmas. We partner with other ministries, too. We also participate in in the spring for rainbow days. We're going to be participating with Feed My Starving Children, which is a meal pack organization. And we're going to help them open a Dallas location. This is huge. Next year, we're going to be sending flood relief to the south because people don't often stay there long enough and help people. There are still thousands of people displaced. And we could send our teams down there. There's Amigo Days. There's everybody's Christmas next month. We're going to partner with uh, our love offerings here where we pull our resources together and we impact ministries like Christ Foundry, one of the largest Hispanic ministries in the country. The Zoe Gay Medical Center in Liberia, Moscow Seminary, Project Transformation, there's more and more. Refuge, one of our uh, life groups from here in Crosswalk is going to be partnering with Promise House and they're going to go and they're going to take the first ever homeless census specifically counting LGBTQ teens who are displaced from their families. It's groundbreaking work that no one has done. I hope that you'll be part of those things. I would love to see you show up for that. Today's Heritage Day. 74 years of ministry this church has had. One of our own, Patrick Beal, is over in the sanctuary this morning being recognized Because he understands what believing and doing is. He was one of the founding members of Crosswalk. He's been teaching the Bible's exploration class, the explorers. Tonight, we're going to continue to raise money for students who are here. We have eight of them in seminary right now and ten more in the pike. And we're going to be raising scholarship money for them in our concert at five. So what does your service say to those in need about God. I want you to be able to say this. My service to those in need says that God loves you and values you so much and created you wonderfully that to God, your heart is much greater than any beautiful sight you can imagine. It's God's masterpiece. Your heart is God's masterpiece. It's more beautiful than the Blue Ridge Mountains. It's more beautiful than the Nepali coast. Didi's over there. It's more beautiful than Italy. (laughs) And because God holds that view of you and sincerely wants to be alive in you, God sent me to bring you good news for you today about Jesus Christ and about his resurrection power. And because I believe that honestly, I'm willing to serve you in whatever way you need. That's what I want you to be able to say. That's what I want to be able to say. I want to say that God's own son came to give you abundant life. What does your service say about where you can grow? I want you to be able to say, less dead head, more res head. (laughs) Less dead head, more res head. I want you to be able to say that you are operating in the same power that rose Jesus Christ from the grave. 
what I want you to say. Each of you have the ability. Each of you are uniquely wired to help wake up someone's heart in this world to the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And that's what it means to love God fully and to love others fully as well. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, what an honor. What an honor it is to serve you, Father. God, please use us. Please use us and stir in us a fire for your son, Jesus Christ, and for his good news for his children today. God, burn in us. Set our hearts ablaze that we might want nothing more than to look at the lost is your greatest masterpieces and know that the terrain might be treacherous and scary, but it's also sacred and holy. Help us to realize our full potential. Help us to believe and do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.